Support for HPR comes from Mutual Publishing in Hawaii, publishing local cookbooks, children's books, history, and more. Their Kaimuki Bookstore is open Monday to Friday, 9 to 4.30, also online at mutualpublishing.com. Each week, New Dimensions explores the social, political, scientific, environmental, and spiritual frontiers with some of today's foremost social innovators, thinkers, scientists, and creative artists. Hello, I'm Glenn Aparicio Perry, the author of Original Thinking, and next time on New Dimensions, I'll be talking about a radical revisioning of time, humanity, and nature. Beginning Sunday morning at 11. Support for The Conversation comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors Native Books and PCAT, Pacific Center for Advanced Technology Training. Welcome to the Aloha Friday Conversation, Art, Culture, and Ideas in Hawaii. Today, it's ideas about housing. I'm Noe Tanigawa. Lono ika makahiki. Hey, we've got some of that makahiki weather coming, don't we? Well, I just want to thank you so much for being here because today you'll meet dedicated people from across the islands who are working on affordable housing. And after today, you're going to have hope on that topic. I'm talking about people like Kenna Stormo-Gibson, Director of Housing Policy at the Hawaii Budget and Policy Center. They're part of Hawaii Appleseed. Stormo-Gibson was kind of sketching out the lay of the land in Hawaii's housing market for us. And she said that for many individuals and families, quote, there are no affordable rentals. I mean, I asked her, how can that be? Uh, Don't landlords actually want to rent? You can go on Craigslist right now and try to find a rental on Kauai for under $3,000 and there might be two or three. How is this possible? Well, if you own a property, maybe you're using it as a short-term rental or maybe you are keeping it as a second home, a vacation home that you use a few times a year, but you just don't necessarily want to be in the business of, of renting to a local resident. We have a lot of that, unfortunately, in Hawaii, where the incentives can be to not rent for what local residents can pay. Or, Wait, now, how does that you know, work? The incentive is to not rent. We're going to have to really break this down. There was a Civil Beat article a couple of days ago. I think it was 27% of homes in Kaka'ako are vacant. They use census data. But why? Well, maybe if this is my second or third property, and I'm gonna, I know I'm gonna come to Hawaii for three months, let's say next year, you know, to work remotely, get a break from wherever I normally live. What I could get rent for that apartment, there's not that many people in Hawaii that can afford to pay, let's say, $4,000 a month rent for two bedroom. If I'm making $100 million a year, is $48,000 worth of rent for my second home worth it that much to me, right? So. I think that's part of what we're what we're up against here. And, you know, so I think this is why every county is really looking at how do we tax these homes? Because if there's a tax, well, maybe that is more of an incentive because, oh, now I'm having to pay, let's just say, right now we have literally the lowest residential property tax rates in the country, right? The average is about 1.2% right now. If you live in any other state, that's the average you're paying. 1.2% here, our average probably is about 0.6, so about half. Owner-occupied rate is 0.35% in Oahu. Every county is a little different. You're saying that Hawaii's property tax rate is about half the average around the nation. Yes, and that's if and that's if you take the average of the tax rate, we're still half or even less than half the national average. Kenna, teachers looked at this several years ago and really faced a wall. How is it going to be different this time? Looking at that same question. Yeah, here's what's different: 
that's because it was a state proposal and it's really not a state issue. The state does not set property taxes, but counties, counties do. This is in their control. I think unfortunately in housing policy for a long time, there has been this idea that, oh, that's more of the federal stuff or the state will help pay for that. Now there's starting to be a shift around that and a realization that counties actually have a big role to play. And if, if it's important enough, they can raise the revenue and take control of this situation. Housing policy and, and housing subsidy can very much be a county level issue. And probably in many ways should because counties control zoning. They tend to do the city planning around infrastructure. It does make sense for the counties to be more proactive about housing policy. Whoa, would that be the place? I mean, would where would they start? <laughs> well, you know, the Maui County Comprehensive Affordable Housing Plan is a great example of this. That's what I keep hearing. That was Kenneth Stormo Gibson, Director of Housing Policy, Hawaii Budget and Policy Center. She's one of the many who participated in shaping that Maui County Comprehensive Affordable Housing Plan. The process involved about 1,500 stakeholders who've all become now interested parties in seeing how this proposal fares in the county council. Hawaiian Community Assets was the lead developing the Maui Housing Plan. Uh, They're a housing counseling agency, and Jeff Gilbreth is interim executive director. He says the plan's designed to achieve 5,000 affordable homes in five years. The difference with the Maui County Comprehensive Affordable Housing Plan is that it was developed by community practitioners. So community development experts, folks who build affordable housing, support, support families to get into affordable housing, engineers, planners, financiers of affordable housing. Um, And so this plan, what sets it apart is it's actually talking about how do you build affordable housing. So are are you approaching funding first off or where do you start? I guess you start with making sure you commit the funds that are going to be needed to reach the affordability levels of very and extremely low income families and those who are low to moderate income. And that would be, that was a, the thrust of the plan was to put forward the funding to subsidize our local families so they can have an affordable home to move into. Um, you then need to talk about enabling legislation and policy priorities. You need to talk about building the capacity of the industry, as well as the county to be able to move forward in implementing actions of the plan. But I would agree. First step is getting enough funds into the affordable housing fund for subsidies to support our local families, uh, as well as remove the barriers of high-cost infrastructure, which has really stood in the way of uh, development of affordable homes lately. Those dollars that we need in the affordable housing funds and subsidies need to be roughly $175,000 per local renter family that's extremely or very low income or $150,000 for low-income home buyers if we're going to meet the demand that's laid out in that planning study. It's fascinating. You could come up with that number. Okay, now, is this a number that's, this is a one-time fee that we would pay here, $175,000? We get an affordable unit forever for someone? As long as that unit stays affordable, um, that uh, that money would stay in the deal. And even at a lower price, $150,000, we can situate a family in their own affordable home? This is taking into a lot of other assumptions. I don't think you can simplify it that easy. This is assuming that the county would be proactive in putting its resources forward to pay for that regional infrastructure so we can build those affordable homes with those subsidies in order to target the the lower incomes that we're uh, referring to. Whoa. Okay, so you're talking about an upfront investment in infrastructure as well, which maybe we'll have some funds for coming up. I think the federal funds are going to be aligned to do that. And this is a pretty common practice in other jurisdictions outside of Hawaii. Is is this particularly a good moment or a moment of possibility for us? I think this is a once in a generation opportunity. Um, you have a federal infrastructure bill that will put the largest investment of infrastructure money in Hawaii's history uh, in the ground uh, that could help with water, sewer, roads for affordable housing. In addition, 
I think we have um, a situation where we have an abundance of resources. We have um, a record number of homes that are valued over $3 million. You see homes being sold at a million plus. We believe we're in a position with the lowest property tax rates in the nation, Maui having the lowest of any county in the state, uh, that we ought to be able to ask for those who have the resources in abundance to pay their fair share of property taxes in order to make sure families have an affordable home. Gee, uh, Jeff, I you put it so <clears throat> you put it so gently. You know, asking for people to pay their fair share uh, that, that those words have not worked up until this point. I mean, I think Noe, we're in a situation where um, the scarcity mindset has really become uh, interwoven within our communities. So scarcity mindset, if you're struggling to make ends meet, that's one thing that happens, right? When you have scarcity of resources, you oftentimes focus on survival, right? But as a community, what has happened is that those with resources, with a significant amount of resources, continue to talk about how there's a scarcity of resources. And this allows uh, for them to see, they, they essentially see uh, the world in a way um, that there's not enough shared resources for us to take care of the needs that we have. By placing that narrative out there, that somehow there's not enough resources out there for us to share, uh, to take action on something as big as affordable housing. Despite the fact that we've seen purchases of 78 million, 45 million, 38 million on Maui County alone, there is an abundance of resources. This is nothing new to Hawaii. In traditional Hawaiian community, you had Konohiki and you managed the resources within the Ahupuaha, which said, hey, there's an abundance here and it's our responsibility to steward these resources so we meet the needs of the entire community. That's all we're asking here. But it's very clear to us that there's plenty of resources out there. Jeff Gilbert, Interim Executive Director of Hawaiian Community Assets, a statewide organization dedicated to helping people get into homes. I can't wait for you to meet Rhonda Alexander Moncris. She runs their uh, Opportunity Center on Maui. I mean, that is a hand you want to hold getting into your own place. She's coming up. But first, can we put some numbers to this? Arjuna Haim has been uh, doing that. Haim's a researcher for the housing arm of Hawaii Appleseed. She says, housing planning study on the state business and economic development website right now says Oahu needs about 5,200 units a year for the next five years to meet the demand for affordable rentals. We've had announcements, uh, you know, of openings in Macaulay, Kalailoa recently, 11 units, 36 units. But it's tricky really knowing how many units total were actually added in the last year. Haim did trace how many affordable units were funded in 2021. In terms of new projects that have been funded, when they are built, it will add a total of 435 units, which is 8% of the need that we should be building. So it's like 435 compared to 5,000? Compared to 5,000, yeah. Okay. Well, there's a gap there. Yeah, there is a gap there. And then you were looking at the actual rental availability. What did you find there? I did a survey end of October where I looked at Facebook Marketplace, Craigslist, Apartments.com for each island, basically to find what is considered an affordable rental unit. What I was looking at were one-bedroom rentals that were $1,170 a month or below. 1170 for a one-bedroom apartment. Is that considered reasonable? That is considered reasonable if you're making 100% of the AMI. Area median income, which is what? So for each island... It's different. But, I mean, we essentially averaged it out. For one person, 100% AMI is $74,000 a year. You're, you're looking for, for what would be affordable for that mythical person who makes 74000 a year. Is it easy to find? It is very hard to find. Well, so I expanded the search to studio and one bedroom. You are not going to find a one-bedroom one apartment 
in the private market for 800 a month or 900 a month even. Mm-hmm. From renters, I hear. What you will find is people paying 1100 1600 a month to live with two to three other people. I mean, we've been speaking with Arjuna Haim, researcher for Hawaii Appleseed. Haim worked on the Maui plan and says they're putting together a statewide affordable housing coalition, really big tent, to push for affordable housing priorities in the 2022 legislative session. It's really exciting, the, the folks getting involved. Support for HPR comes from the Honolulu Museum of Art and its Artists of Hawaii Now exhibition, welcoming the community to a series of conversations, artists' talks, and hands-on workshops. Details at honolulumuseum.org. With everything that's happened in 2021, this year has highlighted what really matters in our community, staying healthy, connected, and informed. It's what we've focused on all year with our news reporting and in our music and talk programming. Like many causes you care about, HPR is a nonprofit organization. Our end-of-year fun drive is coming up. Help spread the holiday cheer and support HPR as a new member or with an additional gift. Give today at hawaiipublicradio.org. Support for The Conversation comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, whose contributors help Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributor Anchor Systems Hawaii. Getting Connected. That's what Scott Morishige, Governor's Coordinator on Homelessness, says we have been doing. In the thick of the pandemic, over a hundred service providers and just people who cared were tuning into homeless webinars. I think they were weekly. (laughs) And last year's homeless conference was, I'll tell you, kind of a blockbuster. In a recent seminar, Morishige tipped his hat to Home Aid, the Lieutenant Governor, and Oahu Housing Now for their efforts this year. And he looked ahead with caution. Following the 2009 recession, which was not anywhere near the level of magnitude we're seeing now, we saw a huge increase in homelessness, but it wasn't one time. It occurred over the next several years. Even though we may not be seeing people being evicted, I think there are people being displaced from housing or having to move or relocate. What we have to expect is not a sudden one-time spike, but a gradual increase. And we need to focus on how to help people on the employment end, but also on the housing end. How do we quickly make those connections back to housing? So I think taking some of the lessons learned from the Oahu Housing Now program and similar rapid rehousing programs, and I think also really looking at increasing access to employment programs, to workforce development, American job centers. There's a program to the city and county, Teamwork Hawaii, which is in a critical partner in providing outreach, but they approach it from an employment lens, helping people get connected to workforce development, job training to pivot to another career if that's what's needed. And I think we need to look at those two things, strong partnerships with the workforce development sector, also continuing to help rehouse people rapidly if they have to move out of their current housing. Scott Morishige, the governor's coordinator on homelessness, he has been clear about the pressure individuals and families suffer prior to becoming homeless, the fear, overcrowding, and fraying of relationships that damage the fabric of community. Finding a place to rent is tougher than ever in Hawaii. But what is it like, say, in Honolulu, really? Jack, name withheld to avoid retaliation, is a father and member of the Honolulu Tenants Union Organizing Committee. I mean, I moved here about uh, five years ago, soon after my son was born. You know, I have a little family here, and and uh, the thing that surprised me so much was seeing so much inequality with people struggling to stay housed. You know, even us, like we would, we would. Uh, the first place we moved into had terrible water damage. We moved into another place. The first day we were there, there's there's water bulging out of the wall, and my landlord's response is, "We'll send someone over a few days." And then, and then the person shows up and the person tells me off the record, you should move. This is not a safe place for your little kid. 
and 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 you know the third place move into the landlord uh comes over sees me again i'm a six foot three white man he sees me and he says to me we're gonna evict you unless you sign this new paper today and if that's what he's doing to me i imagine i know what he's getting away with to everyone else and when we move out of course they steal our security deposit they do all these other nasty things they're getting away with it and finally we start the tenants union we start helping each other and helping organize helping make sure that we give the power back to the people who deserve it but i i do turn to you jack uh for what are you seeing out there in terms of people looking for and finding affordable housing it's tough. We hear from families. We hear from single individuals. Right. But you, you've pointed out there are laws against this. What's mm-hmm. the problem? problem is that they all benefit the landlords and there are people who have been struggling, who haven't gotten their unemployment insurance. They've been denied for over a year. People who have, haven't gotten rental assistance, the rental assistance program has failed them. And In what ways? What are you seeing? There are landlords who won't accept rental assistance. There are tenants who apply for it, never hear anything back. And so they give up. We believe that now there is a better opportunity for people to get that rental assistance. So if they've applied in the past and haven't gotten it, they should try again. Okay. We know we don't have any eviction moratoria in, in yes. place. What have you seen since then? We've seen reports of, of families getting forced out uh, off the books. We also heard early on about how the mediation process was going through the uh, mediation center of the Pacific. And they said, uh, that they had been in the process of processing 330 uh, evictions. This was back in September. We've heard from um, tenants who are, you know, afraid and rightly so. I mean, they the, the law is not on their side. The law is not on their side. Okay, I I can't pay my rent. I haven't been able to pay it for two months. I know I can't pay it this month. I'm I'm trying to get rental assistance through the state. You're saying I may not get any response there. What happens? What happens is that your landlord will have the option of trying to evict you. They can start the process and immediately right now, if you're two months behind on rent or one month, any 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 time period now, you can be evicted uh, for Christmas. You have to contact the mediation center to schedule a mediation with you and your landlord. You get 30 days to respond to the complaint if you do that instead of um, just letting it go to the court. Here, you, you'll, you go for this mediation system and an inexperienced mediator who is definitely not on your side will meet with you and your landlord over Zoom or whatever process, you know, video chat. You won't be able to afford it, whatever payment plan they come up with. If you're one month behind, maybe you can, but there are people who are a year or more behind on their rent. And those people are not going to find a payment plan that they're able to pay. In some cases, even when they can be made good on their rent, the landlord still wants to evict them because of this period where they weren't able to pay the rent. We believe that there's about 18,000 households and up to 18,000 children, according to these estimates from the National Equity Atlas, that say that these these children could be sent out onto the street over the, the next few months. Okay, help me with this one then. Uh, so what do we say to landlords who have not been paid for, say, a year and mm-hmm. are looking at not being made whole for maybe another year while they're paid in, repaid in increments? Yeah, they, they they made an investment. Investments do not always pay out. Their investment is not more important than the lives of the family or the people that are inside the dwelling that they're renting out. So they have the control of all the housing here. It's not all mom and pops. It's these big companies like Locations and these other ones, Pinnacle Management, property management companies that uh, manage these properties for off-island homeowners. These aren't mom and pops. They're these big companies that are deciding you know who gets to have a roof over their heads tonight. They just decide the rate at, that they'll rent at? And- Not just that, but I mean, their lobbying is and their relationship with the banks is what decide the eviction moratorium ended when it did in, uh, in, in August. They're the ones who are fighting so hard to make sure that they can throw families out onto the street this holiday season. Jack is a father and member of the Honolulu Tenants Union Organizing Committee. They say 42% of people on Oahu don't own the home they're in, and they can tell you what your rights are as a tenant. Have you 
caught on to the Hawaii Book and Music Festival's new incarnation? It's in the fall now. And this year, one gathering focused on houseless issues, it featured Laura Thielen. She's executive director of Partners in Care, the network of houseless services on Oahu. Thielen's been talking for months about the need to keep people in the homes they have. With no prohibitions against eviction now, Thielen says government subsidies are available to help renters stay in place. The problem is getting landlords to take them. We really need to encourage landlords to be open to folks with those subsidies. We're one of the few counties that continues to allow for discrimination against folks who have housing subsidies. So you can actually state in an ad for your unit, you can deny someone who has a housing subsidy. During the pandemic, we have changed that a little bit. We actually found some landlords that before would only rent to tourists. They needed the income, so they opened uh, their doors to some of our folks. And they realized that with a subsidy for many programs came support for the landlord. And that has been seen as a, as a very positive for many landlords. And, and I would you know put the pitch out there that we really need more landlords. We really need more units. Um, because what it comes down to is if there's nowhere to house folks, even if we have the money to house them, we're not going to solve the issue of homelessness on Oahu. We haven't seen the huge plunge of evictions that we were expecting. I do believe that a lot of people, their next resort um, after losing possible housing is to double up with family and friends. And that tends to lead to future homelessness when those relationships get strained or if the landlord kicks the entire family plus the doubling up folks out because they're not on the lease. But we do anticipate that we'll see more and more folks be evicted over the next several months. That's Laura Thielen, Executive Director of Partners in Care. Thielen and the service providers she works with are seeing families and individuals under tremendous pressure. ALICE is an acronym for Asset Limited Income Constrained Employed. That means income falls short every month. You can't afford basic necessities like health care, rent, you have no safety net, and you're working. Aloha United Way's calculated 42% of Hawaii households are ALICE and below. When she spoke at the Book of Music Festival, Connie Mitchell, executive director of IHS, made a case for permanent ongoing support for some people. I think my hope is that with um, affordable housing, one of the programs that don't cost as much are shallow subsidy programs. And when we talk about Alice households, you know, they are income constrained and, you know, they really are barely making it. But if they had a shallow subsidy, it could make a real big difference for some of those folks. You know, so when I talk about shallow subsidy for um, an individual, it could be maybe $400, maybe a family, maybe, um, you know, $500, $600 a month or a little bit more. They're working and they just don't make enough. And so I think our economy needs to pick up enough so that we have more jobs that pay enough, you know, living wage, you know, that really allows people to afford housing and at the same time bring down the cost of housing because the two are just hand in hand making more homeless people. I did want to mention one more thing about the Alice households. What I've begun to see is that people are more and more leaving Hawaii and I think people really need to think about that you know that if we do not make a full commitment to affordable housing development and an economy that really pays a living wage you're going to see a lot more people leaving Hawaii. And that's a sad thing for me, having been born and raised here. Connie Mitchell, Executive Director of IHS, the Institute for Human Services, Oahu's largest houseless service provider. Faith Action for Community Equity has been working on housing issues on Oahu for over 20 years. FUFAM is part of their Housing Now Committee. They're looking at the state-calculated need for 22,000 affordable homes on Oahu, of which over half need to be for low income. FAM says Housing Now sees the Aloha Stadium as a golden opportunity, that site, to address Oahu's affordable housing crisis. This term affordable, it's relative, right? So 
affordable housing is a word that will get used to talk about like a market rate development, for instance. The definition of affordability actually ends up being too high for uh, a median income family or just a working class family to actually afford whether that's going to be rent or mortgage. Affordable, affordable, affordable. I see the question is who could make 67700 a year and that's low income? Right. We, we haven't seen much of a pledge in regards to like Aloha Stadium. You brought up of the Aloha Stadium redevelopment. We haven't seen much of a pledge there to make sure that the housing that gets included in that development is going to be sold at rates that people here can truly afford. It didn't come through the master plan or the environmental impact statement. There is the request for proposal that is out there. And that one specifically states that the state is not going to set any minimums or maximums in terms of housing or affordability. And instead, they're going to wait for these uh, development companies to to make their proposals. That sounds like the same strategy we used in Kaka'ako. Could work the same way again. <laughs> right now, it's, it's a mix of a legislative issue and an administrative one. That administratively, the, the governor and the agencies under the governor have the power to to set some parameters here. Um, it's also administratively with the, the bidders on, on the project. And um, as the process moves along and the finalists are identified for that redevelopment, we're hopefully going to be able to be in talks with them and, and really make the case and, and demonstrate that there's a need. And if you want to develop here and you want to say that you're a good community partner, prove it. Um, and, and that's what we're going to hopefully be able to do as soon as the finalists are identified. But if that's not the case, if we can't make the case in that area, then legislatively, there may be some appetite uh, to, to just make a mandate from the legislature. That's not necessarily something that all the legislators are going to agree with, but that's something that we're willing to bring up for discussion and, and advocate for. Requiring that there be an affordable housing dimension to the, whatever redevelopment there is. At the right. to, to just go ahead and set those parameters. We don't want to hear excuses that it's not profitable to build low-cost housing. At a certain scale, it's going to become profitable. How much supply can you put into this so that it's going to scale economically and you'll be able to still turn a profit? Right now, there's no way to hold their feet to the fire. Um, recently, three former governors penned a letter out into the paper um, explicitly stating that the land should just be used for housing, only housing. So I think that there is a large appetite throughout the community to make this a more serious discussion. Do you see an opportunity like this anywhere else on Oahu? No, I, I don't see an opportunity like this anywhere on Oahu. It's 98 acres, this site, and it's going to have a rail station. Who could come up with a grand idea like this? Yeah, a- well, We're relying on a developer to propose something fantastic to us. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, I, I think that the answer is that a master developer is, is not going to be local, um, but we will expect them to have some local subcontracts. And, and ultimately, the state does put those requirements in. Um, but I, I did want to bring up, um, there is one other thing. It's not a state legislative issue. It's a city and county one. It's one that we've been tracking for a few years now as faith action. It is the empty homes tax. There's been discussion about it. There was a study done under the Caldwell administration. It's a serious proposal that's coming before the Oahu Real Property Tax Advisory Commission. After that point, hopefully it'll be at the city council for serious consideration. And what the empty empty homes tax would do is despeculate the market by introducing a disincentive like this. You hold this real property, you don't occupy it, you don't lease it out. We as a community will tax you on that and use those funds to supplement affordable housing development or homeless services. How much of a difference could that make? I mean, how many homes on this island are empty? 
according to the latest census, it's 85,000 vacant units on Oahu. So that's more than than what we need. We're looking at 85,000 vacant housing units or 15% vacancy. So if we were able to take a third of those those units back into the market by motivating them with this disincentive of the empty home tax, then that can give us those 22,000 units that we are seeking. Fu Pham is with the Housing Now Committee of Faith Action for Community Equity. It's talking about the empty homes tax. We'll put a link to their contacts with this story because your thoughts on this tax will be important when it's taken up at the county level where details to achieve fairness can be hammered out. Support for the Aloha Friday Conversation comes from Native Books on Nu'uanu Avenue in Chinatown, offering a variety of Hawaiian and Pacific Island books and resources for all ages. Also online at nativebookshawaii.org. On the next Fresh Air, on the final day of our tribute to Stephen Sondheim, from our archive, we'll hear from James Lapine, who wrote the books for three Sondheim musicals, Sunday in the Park with George, Into the Woods, and Passion, and Stephen Colbert and Lin-Manuel Miranda, who each talked about performing in Sondheim musicals. Join us. Beginning this afternoon at 3, following Science Friday. On one hand, the idea is making homes available at prices people can afford. What Rhonda Alexander Moncrest does is get people ready to buy those homes. Alexander Moncrest manages the Maui Financial Opportunity Center, an arm of Hawaiian community assets. She's helped people like you and me actually purchase a home. So when they initially come in, most of them have tried to find a home to purchase on their own. People can do searches online. They can act as their own realtor and try to find something affordable. They put in offers, but their offer is not accepted. And so then they work with the lender and find out from the lender that they need to either reduce debt, which is what we can help with, or they need to increase their down payment savings, which is something else we can help with, or they need access to down payment assistance programs, which is absolutely what we can help with. So we get referrals when they come in and they might be in a partial state of overwhelm because it's a lot of work to learn how to buy a house, how to be savvy enough to make the right offer and so forth. And so we just sort of take them in, help them to realize that, you know, if they follow the steps of our program, they too will be homeowners, you know, and they just sometimes need to be a little more patient Instead of getting something in three months, let's look at one year. And let's prepare you and, and make sure that you're 100% ready. And we've had success with some homeowners so far. We've had about eight to 10 local residents, you know, that have come through our doors in the last year. They actually were able to buy a home? Yes. Mm. How's the market like on, on Moloka'i, Lana'i, even you know, Maui too. There are places on the market that are available. It, it's tough based upon each island. It's a little more limited. So Molokai and Lanai, you know, very limited, but there's plans to build. So people who, who come to you seeking services, where are they currently living? Are they living in a home? Are they living in an apartment? Are they living with their mom? Are they living with their kids? All of the above. So, you know, we have people that are living with family We have people that are renting and struggling and trying to save money for the purchase of their home. We have people that are helping other family members. So that financial commitment to other family members is impacting their ability to be homebuyer ready. What kind of income do they have? We have people that are making $39,000 a year to people that are making over $150,000 a year. Um, But the real need, you know, based upon the Maui housing plan is for those that are at 80% AMI or lower, that's less than 76,000 a year for a single person. We have quite a bit of of current clients who are in that state, longtime residents, consistent job that they've been at for 15 years, either in the hotels, in the hospital, in government, who want to purchase a home, 
and are starting on that path to figure out how to do it. Majority of our people, I would say, are in their 30s and 40s as far as age. They come from a two-income home. Some of them have side hustles to increase income. They all seem to be willing to make the sacrifices and to eventually get to a very laser-focused state of meeting all of the steps to be able to be homeowner ready. Mm. Rhonda Alexander Moncress, manager of the Maui Financial Opportunity Center, serving Maui County. They're with Hawaiian Community Assets, which also has branches on Kauai, Oahu, and Hawaii Island. Links with this story at hawaiipublicradio.org. Over half of the people looking for homes in her survey were looking for them on Kauai. We're heading there to close, but there's something Kenna said that echoes in my mind. Kenna Stormo-Gibson is Director of Housing Policy at the Hawaii Budget and Policy Center. We were talking about how housing advocates on all the islands are mobilizing. Counties are waking up. Federal infrastructure funds are coming. Stormo-Gibson says the time to act is now. Maui did their comprehensive plan. And it helped to change the conversation. It does lay out, hey, this is the demand for housing that exists. This is what we know local residents could afford. And that's not what's getting built. So how do we actually provide what is needed at the prices that we need? The plan says you can do it. It will cost money. The discussions happening in Maui County right now are very much about, okay, well, what is the subsidy that the county needs to put forward? to actually get the homes that are needed. But the plan also puts forward, hey, there's many ways you could get to the subsidy that you need. Oh, like what? Um, you could tax essentially second homes that don't, do not have a long-term renter. That's a source of revenue and it's significant. We're not talking just a few million dollars. You can have significant revenues and still have a lower rate than the average on the mainland, right? We're not talking about a really crazy high rate here. If you did just a 1.2% rate, which again is an average rate. So this is not anything that a person on the mainland wouldn't see in most other states. It would be somewhere between, you know, say 50 to $80 million a year. Let's just say Maui County did bring in $50 million more million a year, which in itself might not seem like a ton of money, but you can do a bond on that. It's about 20 to 1. So that $50 million becomes a billion-dollar bond. You're not going to spend that much money right away. You know, maybe you do a $100 million bond one year, $200 million the next year. They're doing this in, in Portland. They're doing this in L.A. They're doing this in San Francisco. They're using property tax revenue to make housing bonds. Counties and cities can do it, and, and they should. It's a very secure stream of revenue because... The chances that someone does not pay their property tax are very small. Property taxes are very secure. <laughs> we saw that in the pandemic, even when GET was down because there were not as many tourists, not as many transactions, property taxes did not significantly decrease. If anything, they increased because we had this very unfortunate situation where you have Home prices going up and up and up, even as unemployment is reaching record levels. Record numbers of people do not have a job or their wages that actually had decreased. And yet home prices went up. That's a very concerning trend because it means that the pricing of homes is becoming more and more disconnected from wages that people earn. If what you have to pay to live in a house is not connected to wages. How are you ever going to really afford to, to be here, right? Kenneth Stormo-Gibson is Director of Housing Policy at the Hawaii Budget and Policy Center. When we talked, she was heading to Helsinki to see how they solved a notorious housing shortage. Senator Stanley Chang's been leading seminars exploring solutions in cities like Houston, Vienna. Cities around the world have solved this problem. 
for Hawaii, one question is, how much time do we have? Kauai could be a preview of what's in store for the whole state. Kauai was the first to top a median home price of a million dollars in January this year. In June, we got an assessment of the impacts from Kilauea resident Jim Edmonds, a real estate broker. He formed Emerald Isle Properties 33 years ago. He and partner Larry Graff formed the nonprofit PAL, Permanently Affordable Living Kauai, three years ago. Noe, our job is, our goal is not to build affordable housing. Our goal is to solve the housing crisis on Kauai. And we have plans to do that. We're working on Four years ago, the county said we need 5,000 houses for the local people only within the next five years. That's four years ago. My guess is 500 houses have been built since then. So we're not doing it. It's a desperate situation. Our, our friends, our families are leaving the island because they can't hold on anymore. They can't financially afford it anymore. So we fully intend to solve that. The last time I talked to you was right when the median home value was about a million one. Right. And you were pointing out that it was not only hard to find a home to buy, it was very hard to find a place to rent. Can you kind of catch us up on how the situation's been since then? I believe it was like... It's gotten much worse. It's worse. It's gotten much worse. At that time when I talked to you, I think we had five houses on the North Shore under a million. Now we have one. It's out in Hyanna, which is untenable for most people who have a job in Kapaa or Lui. Basically, the rentals are worse. One frame of reference, as a broker, I still get emails from other agents. I received one the other day. A client wanted him to help him find a rental. Well, that means he's been looking and he can't find anything, right? He's asking for help. He needed a one-bedroom, one-bath from Kapaa North. The budget was 7000 a month. One-bedroom, one-bath. How do we compete with that? How does somebody who lives on this island, who grew up on this island, how do we compete with that? It's, it's scary. We actually had a conversation with a super wealthy guy recently, and we said, what's going to happen if all the local people leave the island? Who's going to do the work? He looked in our eyes and honestly said, the robots. We said, who's going to maintain the robots? He said, the robots. And I'm thinking... Who in the world would want to live on an island that is run by robots when all these local people are such incredible? This is such a family-oriented, beautiful island with low crime, wonderful people. It's just, it's just so touching to me to even hear that and conceive of that. So we're driven to do something about it. We built a team of probably close to 50 people, including attorneys, architects, contractors. Uh, we are going to solve this problem. But how, it is, though? How, Jim? I mean, there's not, no land. So what I'm doing today is I'm actually offering a, a challenge. I'm always reaching out to our well-heeled neighbors and saying, I challenge you to step forward and help us. For lunch money to you, you can help us in a way that's unfathomable to us. It doesn't take much money in a frame of reference that these guys operate in. People can't just come here and buy property because it's a beautiful place. They need to understand that this is a land with a culture and a history and incredible people who are being driven off the island because these people have to live here. It's like they're moths to a flame, Noe. I know people who say, I know I'm really part of the problem, but I have to do this. I have to be here. And they don't come by themselves. None of them come by themselves. They bring their chefs, their babysitters, their architects, their engineers, their family, their friends, and everybody who comes in my office wants to know where Mark Zuckerberg lives. Everybody, the hangers-on follow them. And unfortunately, some of the local people are selling their houses because they're saying, oh my God, I can get money that I never dreamed of getting. But they don't stop to think, what are they going to do after they sell it? They're not going to buy anything on this island, and they're not going to rent. Their little nest egg that they just got will be gone in three years, five years, because the rents are so high. So very concerned, very, very freaky situation. And we're doing everything we can to solve it. And I, if anyone, if these people will step forward and help us, they make it so much easier. I cannot tell you. Some of them are behaving boldly and responsibly and trying to help the community. 
we have a person, and I've gotten permission to use their names, Mike Kaplan and Rose Contreras. They are helping us at PAL. They've loaned us money, a lot of money, at a low interest rate. And I told Rose, I said, I've been running really hard at this for five and a half years, but my tennis shoe strings have been tied together. You folks have untied my tennis shoe strings. You've enabled me to now begin to at least trot and, and get a roll going. And now we have other people who are stepping forward. That's my entire subject of life right now is how I can get them to step forward and help. It's, it's everything to us. And it means not much to them. It means so much to their hearts and so much to their souls to help people and to see the help that they're offering. What do you think, uh, you know, tip the scales for uh, Kaplan and Contreras? A recommendation from several people in the community. People who cared, people who were trying to help us, but were not as financially strong. But it was a substantial loan and it freed us up to move. It's the passion. That's, you ask what's caused, how we're going to do this, I think that's it. Larry and I are passionate about it. And we've, we're drawing a lot of people to help us because of that passion. They hear it. We had our land blessing last Wednesday on our land in Kilauea, and it was so beautiful. Everyone there was in tears because it means so much to these people. Jim Edmonds, founder, president of Permanently Affordable Living Kauai, PAL. He says he's got a passion for seeing lives changed, potentially for generations, there on the Garden Island. Heard from Kaikea Blakemore the other day. She's a community development specialist at Neighborhood Place of Pona. And she's been talking with her coalition partners there in Hilo, Kona, about their priorities for the coming legislative session. They are getting those housing vouchers used, increasing the minimum wage, and generating, generating some housing funds from property taxes. I mean, you know how people look forward to the NBA or, you know, NFL season? Same thing. Hundreds of people across the state are poised for action at the 22 legislature. <laughs> and we all got skin in this game. Meanwhile, Kaikea got me all excited about what Barcelona's doing about their empty homes. Really exciting stuff. And you can join Hawaii Humanities and the Honolulu Museum's Try Think webinar Kako this Sunday at 4. We're going to talk about housing and other things that serve the community. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you've done well. And that's about it for this Aloha Friday. Thanks so much for being with us today. We absolutely love to hear from you. The Talk Back line, 808-792-8217. You can email us, talkback at hawaiipublicradio.org. Visit the conversation page at the HPR website. Lots of links there. Today's program, a completely kako operation. Mahalo to all the guests for your efforts all year round. It's so much fun doing it together. Mahalo to producer Savannah Harriman Pote, Russell Subiono, and Lillian Zong. Our theme music here, courtesy of Gypsy 808. I'm Noe Tanigawa. Join us Monday when Catherine Cruz picks up the conversation. Until then, let's take care of each other. Lono ikamakahiki, and happy Aloha Friday. <laughs>